Today's episode of the Sleepers Podcast is brought to you by behind-the-scenes meetings that we're having that have us excited at potential opportunities. Carter, would you like to speak more to these secret potential opportunities? Don't let us get hot. That would be the last thing you want to do. That's all I want to say. A little bit of an intimidation tactic was played. Did we uh did we survive that without giving too much away? But like you feeling all right? Like I was a little worried about your well-being for a moment yesterday. Yeah, you know, I, I I wasn't I wasn't ready to be attacked. I was not ready to be attacked, but I feel like we did the best that we could. And also just know that whether you like us or don't like us, one of the favorite people in your life is probably watching or has seen our stuff. And you gotta sleep with that. Just let that be known. Appreciate that. Uh yeah, good day yesterday. Uh, we're going to get back to our roots today. Let's just call it what it is. It's a slow week. It's a kind of the quiet August grind. Overseas trips have wrapped up. There's not new additions coming to rosters. We're just sort of like waiting around until actual stuff happens in the college basketball world. College football is obviously here this weekend. We're pumped about that. We're probably going to start talking more about football in these shows on a week to week basis. But uh, today, Cart, we felt it was very important to get back to the roots of who Sleepers is as a Sleepers podcast. We started as a show between a Michigan fan and a Michigan State fan who happened to be friends, but love to joke and talk shit to each other. But more importantly than anything, Cart, we wanted to hold our own teams accountable. We've always said it's okay to say things aren't going well. It's okay to talk about weaknesses, and that's how you should interpret college basketball that's how you should have dialogue about your teams well cart your team's really good my team's really bad but both of our fan bases have found ways to gas up things that we don't believe deserve to be gassed up so the majority of today's show is going to be that we're going to hold michigan fans accountable carter's going to hold michigan state fans accountable and then we'll finish with our big 10 randomizer game yet again as always though cart we got to start with comments uh, three more days, three more episodes. We will read every comment on the YouTube channel. After that, Monday of next week, we're only going to respond on episodes to the comments that are left in the Discord. Quick Discord check-in with you, Card. How's the Discord going? Discord's slapping right now. It's growing. That's what the best part about it is. I feel like it's going up, even though it is slowly. Got you know, it it was a good surge at first, but I think people are starting to really once they're getting towards the end of the YouTube comments, they're like, oh shit. I got to get in the Discord. And I'm telling you, y'all got to get in the Discord just for the betting part alone. The betting is slapping right now. Shout out to my boy, fam, underscore three, three, tennis guru, tennis handicapping legend. Just absolutely killing it right now. Helping your boy out, giving me funds for round robin homer parlays where guys don't hit one homer. But it's okay because I'm right back at it today. Uh, it- I give you credit for not just explicitly saying you will make back the money that you spend on the discord today. That seems to be a problem. We were worried about gambling regulators. <laughs> I was on the phone with Dave last night. You said, stop that. I'm impressed. Strides are being made from Carter Elliott and uh, CT on Twitter had one of my favorite replies of the year. You were doing a little Discord promo telling people they got to get in the discord and CT responded and said, I was considering joining but then I realized I can't be supportive of you like your father. <laughs> you you like that? Like, are, are we happy we didn't get a Discord sign up from CT? Because yeah. you don't want support. 
ship on, ship on my shoulder. Okay. So for that reason, don't sign up for the discord. Uh, I guess we'll rock with what we got here. The college football newsletter, I believe is coming out tomorrow. That will be available to discord members. And uh, if you enjoy reading those in the past, I know a lot of people did. You're going to have to be in the Discord, folks. So get in there. Link is in the description if you want to join that. Let's start in the Discord cart where uh, we had a lot of dialogue yesterday, but we'll just go through the comments to yesterday's episode. Fam says, completely agree. Klingon's the biggest threat to Edie. One thing not mentioned overall is competition is weak big man-wise in the Big East outside of Kalkbrenner. Hmm. I mean, I guess that's kind of true. If you're looking at the Klingon versus Dickinson debate, apparently, or that's the that's the two that you're choosing that I choose that I actually chose uh, yesterday. Big Twelve big men, I definitely think, are more tough than Big East big men, um, and probably the same goes for the Big Ten. I feel like too, obviously, with Dickinson leaving and other guys leaving the conference. Um, there seems to be maybe more of an open window for Edie to even be more dominant, probably. Yeah, I feel like the Big Ten is actually maybe the most open big man space now that Hunter left and TJD's gone. Um, I think the Big East is relatively strong. Like, Calc deserves mention. I know, like, you said it in passing in the comment, but, like, Calc and Klingon alone is a pretty loaded big man conference. And then you throw in Oso. I know you're not a Marquette guy, but Oso's I'm a an Oso guy, though. O- Oso's a very good big. Um, Jack Nunji's gone at Xavier, but there's there's some dudes in that conference. And I are there good bigs in the Big Twelve? Like Hunter is, but are there good bigs? I mean Tomlin from Kansas State. He's not a um, good big person. No, he's not a good what? He's like a stretch four. He's six eleven. Not a good big. Like they're, they're I that's the one thing I'm most interested about with Hunter going to the Big Twelve is like, is he gonna just destroy them? Because he the last three years in the Big Ten, he's been going up against monsters. And still been pretty productive, even though on bad teams. Like, okay, now you're on a team you know is good. With I don't think anybody can guard him in the Big Twelve. Like, I don't know. That is the case, I guess. Shedrick's like the only one. And don't we have a little bit of head case concerns with Shedrick? Juwan Roberts, shout out Houston. Oh come on, come on. Uh, Fam goes on to say, elite defense by Greg on the timing of that Madi comment. Hat tip. Thank you. Tip the hat back. Coy says, I agree that being represented by the same guy that represents Giannis and Bam is a good sign. Agents don't sign guys out of the goodness of their heart. They sign guys so they can profit off of them. That was a good point. And I acknowledge that in the discord that I do agree with that comment. You also found out that Madi Sissoko's agent also represents Jackson Kohler. Any any comments on that? I don't know if it's actual agent or just NIL representation, but they're both represented by the same people. Yes. Okay. Uh, and then we had some nice little, like, a little positivity in the Discord. Coy giving a shout out to Tristan, who was on yesterday's episode, saying he's looking great on the video. We had to start a whole channel called Stay Low and Build in the Discord that we now just spread positivity and celebrate successes. What a community, man. Like, I've, what, what a spot right now. Everybody's thriving in the Discord. The, uh, the sleepwalkers are active. <laughs> Oh, nice. That might be sticking. We got a couple texts from people that were like, Sleepwalkers is actually dope. I'm still not convinced, but I'm willing to give it a try. I'm just like, I, I watch Game of Thrones and I just think White Walkers immediately. And that just, that's not the vibe I really wanted from the community. But hey, the community's got a community. I'm willing to give it a try. If the community likes Sleepwalkers, they can be the Sleepwalkers. Uh, moving on here. 
Ulamog drops the news that Michigan has partnered with Peloton. Peloton's financial success equals Michigan's athletic success. Your thoughts, Cart? That's kind of funny because Peloton's financial success is in the actual shitter in all forms. Stock down, lawsuits because treadmills were killing little babies and little dogs because they were getting caught in them. Uh, Peloton stock is not as high as you think. Uh, it ain't COVID no more. Let's just say that. It's the most Michigan thing ever to partner with an entity that was like the coolest thing on earth four years ago. <laughs> like that's that's just the most Michigan thing ever. And when that uh, tweet was sent in the Discord, I thought it said Michigan State, which is why I commented Jess Sims after one Rama with AJ Hogard. <laughs> uh, yeah, thought it was Michigan State, not Michigan. That's on me. Hand up. It's on Michigan, which is a lot more on brand for Michigan athletics. Uh, good luck with that. Trevor Sully Sully. Sully. Uh, he told us how to say his last name. I think I'm still botching it, but way cooler last name than Sally says best snack slash drink combo for watching basketball at home. I've got to go with a pour of Woodford reserve and a bowl of popcorn. Hmm. I'm not mad at that, but uh, before I answer this, are we taking into anything nutritional on this one? Or can I just, am I just sitting down watching my favorite game? I feel like we're taking into the situation of like it, this is a Saturday night primetime basketball game that you're really excited for. You've worked hard all week. You've grinded. You've been in the gym and this is your day off and it's your time to watch a game. Ooh. You know, if it is, I'm not more so still focused on food, but it'd be a Miller Lite. It's cold Miller Lite. Cold Miller Lite in my Michigan State glass, preferably if I do want a snack and I'm feeling really good, Cheez-Its. Cheez-Its and Miller Lite. I think that's what I'm going with. This might surprise people. Uh, I'm not a huge snack guy. Like, I don't often find myself like, like, like we don't. You're, you're, you're just not a huge food guy. Well, that's a different conversation, but we just we don't like keep a lot of like snackables in the house. And if we do like. I, like if I'm going to eat it, I probably just binge eat it immediately. Like <laughs> you can't just like put a thing of goldfish in the cupboard. Like that's going to be gone in an hour if Ooh, I want the goldfish. goldfish. So I, uh, I would definitely do a Jack honey and diet a little mixy. And then um, I don't See, know about the snack. That, that always perturbed me about honey, about how you operate. I, I just don't like the, the Jack honey mix with diet coke like if i'm gonna have i'll have a jack and coke but if i have a jack honey i'm probably having it by itself or like a shot of jack honey do you you still let the jack honey mix with the diet coke i do i also like i will take shots of the jack honey or just take it on the rocks but um yeah i, I don't mind the jack honey mixy for sure i think it's a little little spice a little flavor you could say that's the most flavor i'll go for cart and uh yeah if i'm getting food with it i think i'm just like ordering a pizza i'd rather do yeah. that like Pizza and I'd say like actual food instead of snack food. Yeah, that would be our move. We've also had the pleasure of being in environments to watch basketball games and have plenty of drinks and snacks and food options together. Like I feel like I know all the different angles you would attack a basketball game with after seeing you do it in Madison and Ann Arbor and East Lansing and everywhere else we've been together. So yeah, we definitely know each other's spreads. Pause. Yeah. 
there's uh, no better feeling than two hours before tip off when we need to get through the media credential gate in 45 minutes. And Carter brings me two mules to jog immediately. <laughs> it's such a nice spot. Uh, and then Coy's response to that is Woodford and popcorn is a serial killer move. Thin pizza and IPAs is where I'm at. I'd like to dissect Coy's concept of thin pizza a little more. We might have to talk that out in the discord, but more importantly, do you think Woodford and popcorn is a serial killer move? Not at all. That sounds like a great, a great combination, honestly. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't think that was a crazy. crazy I think thin pizza and IPA is a serial killer move more than anything. How do you feel about IPAs? I know it's a very divisive drink. It's just, I, I don't think people drink IPAs for the IPAs anymore. If they truly enjoyed them and truly were like, I really love this IPA, I'd be cool with it. But for the people that I come into contact with, they're drinking IPAs because they want to be different or they just think it's better or it's like, oh, it only comes in a four pack and it costs $17. Same as your 30 rack of Miller Lite. Like sick Aaron. I don't really care. <laughs> like, come on. Is there a real Aaron or did you just throw that out? I just threw that out there. And just yeah. like, who, yeah. like, sweet man, enjoy your double porter chocolate marshmallow whipped. Yeah. Like, I feel like people drink IPAs just to say they drink IPAs. And I, like this goes for like home brewing too. Like if that's a hobby of yours, I respect it. I hope you have fun with it. That's great. If I pop, if I was going to say, we respect the Krill family on this podcast. Yeah, no, no, no. Like I'm, I'm all about that as a hobby, but if I pull up to your house, like, no, I would not like a sip of whatever you just whipped up last week. Like I would rather take the domestic or just give me a mixed drink. Like that's don't, don't knock what already works. Okay. There's a reason these are widely distributed. Um, and unless you are Larry Bell, 50 years later and you're coming up with the next Oberon. I don't need to try your home brood IPA. <laughs> Let's go to the YouTube comments. Uh, I feel like we're going to get a lot of people to disagree with our IPA thoughts, by the way, but I guess we'll see how it goes. 22 comments today, starting as always with Ulamog, who once again clipped every segment. Cart, please say something nice about Ulamog. Uh, let me see here. Uh, I think that Ulamog's, uh, what do you want to character arc for sleepers has been absolutely just beautiful to watch and there needs to be a movie made about it one day that he came in with a lot of hate to start started to warm up to the sleepers and now he's a great distinguished member of the discord and he clips our episodes for us like i mean just just a complete home run of a listener do we have like a mount rushmore of sleepwalkers at this point like i, I don't want to prioritize certain names over other names but i feel like ulamog has to be up there for the work he's putting in right yeah i, I don't think we need to distinguish it right now but also words of the wise it's not the comfortable walkers okay <laughs> you're here you're being tested okay if you're too quiet in the court in the core then we're gonna jump you're not gonna make your way onto the rush more i'm just saying maybe uh the, an early leader in the clubhouse for like most improved commenter of the year is Ulamog. Not that Ulamog was ever bad, but like he's the, he's the breakout star of the comment section right now. I agree. Shout out to Ulamog. Uh, Megan Coburn is in here and says, can you guys please do a sleepers advice segment where listeners email random scenarios, situations, and we hear Carter and Greg's advice for them. Maybe like one time a week. Thank you so much. Okay, first of all, who don't believe is Megan Coburn? All right, we've been through way too much for you to be walking around here with that name. Let's not let's change that for one. 
Uh, two, this this stems from my wife is an avid listener of a podcast called The Toasts with these girls, uh, Claudia Ostray and I forgot the other girl's name. And what they do during one point of a segment is they have somebody email them like to their the toast Gmail email address. And they ask for advice on a situation, basically, or describe a situation and ask them to respond. My wife thinks that'd be great for sleepers. So if anyone wants to participate, the sleepersmedia at gmail.com, send your situation anonymously. And if we receive it before the next episode, we will give you advice because there's probably nothing more you want than me and Greg's advice on a life situation. So that's what actually. I actually love this idea for a couple of reasons. One, I know you would have Claudia Ashtray in hell, like whatever she can do in this, you can do better. Uh, nice. two, two, one of my favorite moments from reading the comments on these daily episodes was when one of our commenters asked us how he should handle telling his men's league or his pickup hoops player that he didn't want to come to his music. That was Ulamog. That was Ulamog? Yeah. Oh, I mean, what a, yeah, what a, you're right. What an arc from Ulamog. Um, but yeah, I love these scenarios. So yeah, I say, uh, throw them at us and you can email them. That's fine. Uh, sounds like a great thing for the discord though, in my opinion, may, may we get a little advice channel in there. And but the thing is though, it's supposed to be anonymous so that oh. people can really open up. Got you. That is a different element of this. I see. I feel like Knowing the sleepwalkers, if we ask for anonymous things, we're going to get wild fake scenarios from them, which just, I kind of love. Just to see us squirm. <laughs> yeah, which I kind of love. Like, yeah, do, do you think? That's fine. All right. We'll see how that goes. Good idea, Meg. John Smith says, love Tristan as a guest. Cart and Greg are too close to step on each other's toes to a certain extent. So seeing him give Greg the business was great to see. Whether he's right or wrong, getting Greg out of his comfort zone without being some Stephen A. Skip Bayless contraption is very entertaining. I welcome confrontation at all times, John Smith and Tristan. Uh, however, I didn't get where Tristan was coming from in that moment, to be honest. like He knew the topics coming in. He didn't complain about the topic. So to get to the end of the topic and then be like, why are we even talking about this topic? It was just a little like, well, you're on our show, my friend. I love you, Tristan. But like... If you didn't want to talk about the topic, could have told us you didn't want to talk about the topic before we talked about the topic. Yeah. Also, just to clarify that statement, I hate confrontation. <laughs> I hate it more than anything. So that's probably why this does happen on this episode. Uh, but I feel like me and you actually get into confrontations more so just not on the show. If it ever sees the light of day, just quick story real quick here. When we went to Purdue for college hoops to go and Purdue won the game, and Michigan lost the game, which basically sealed their fate for not making the tournament. Greg was not in a good place, and we decided to record an episode, like, in the hotel room. And by the middle of the episode, we had to scrap it because I think we were about to scrap. And that's somewhere out there. I don't know if you deleted it or not. It was on your laptop. <laughs> I think it's in the Zoom cloud somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I, we, we just stopped, and we, we were like, this isn't an entertaining listen which I think is true looking back on it. Now people might be interested in it just to hear how confrontational we can get towards each other. But uh, yeah, at the time, like it, there was just like awkward pauses and neither one of us knew what to say because we were just yelling at each other. So um, yeah, it no, this is part of the dynamic. I love confrontation. You 
do everything you can to avoid confrontation. I drag you into confrontation. You drag me out of confrontation. It works. But uh, yeah, we agree. John Smith, we love Tristan as a guest. We'll have to get him back on the show, even if he acts like he hates our topics after we talk about the topics. Fish Sparty says, Cart immediately signing up for the free throw hypothetical just weeks removed from splitting free throws in clutch time shows me the sleepers have the confidence to make it big. Shooters shoot. Love that. Also, they didn't split. I went two for three. It's not splitting. Just let that be no. I still think that you are embellishing that story somehow. I haven't figured out how. But what do you mean? My theory is some element of your story there is inaccurate. Which which element though? Either you didn't hit the first two, or that moment in that game didn't even happen. <laughs> like I'm going to send you the film. Okay. All right. Listen, I love you. I, I believe you, but I also believe in your storytelling abilities. And I know that there are no bounds to you stretching boundaries there. Just saying. Are you going to hit me with a, what do you mean by that? Let's move on. Dat boy. No, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm taking this. When I do this, it's usually me taking mental notes. That boy from Illinois says when Minnesota is picked for the randomizer, the scenario should be how they made it to Thursday of the big 10 tournament, not the sweet 16. Fair point. We may have to take you up on that, dad boy. Neil Stuckey says, I feel the love, Greg. Ha ha. If Tomonaga can grow to 6'7", he would be a threat to Edie for the National Player of the Year. With Cooper Flag dropping 50 at Rucker Park the other day, if he would by some miracle end up in the Big Ten, what school do you think he'd fit the best at? I think it's easy. Are you going to say Iowa? No, Michigan. Really? Yeah, I Why? do. Why? Well, one, I'm putting him on this year's team. He'd be that guy. Um, I, or even put him on next year's team. One, he'd be that guy. He, you know, for all the shortcomings that Michigan has had, uh, I think you can make it very known that he's going to be a lottery pick, obviously. I mean, he'll – no matter where he goes, he's going to be, like, the number one pick. So, like, he might as well just go play with Juwan, get his shots up. He's probably got good grades. Like, I think, like, it fits all around the ground. <laughs> the good grades. Uh, I mean, Michigan, I don't know if you know this car. Michigan is in Cooper Flag's final 10. So I'm sure Jawan Howard and company feel and, like they and have a sorry, last thing. I think more so I'm also picking that because because I think like the coping dynamic. Like I can't see Cooper Izzo. I can't see uh, I guess I can see Cooper Painter, but like I don't know. For some reason, like the Juwan Cooper dynamic and the team dynamic just fits for me. Not necessarily saying it leads to any success, but like that showcase him appreciate you making the pitch for michigan here i mean elite talents want to play for Juwan howard get him to the league sure why not uh i i think the answer is ruckers i think cooper flag would join ruckers along with ace bailey and dylan harper and they would have the three best recruits in the country and steve peichel would probably still make them like the 120th best offense in the country but i would love to see it ruckers is back uh, Kevin Deaton says the Christian Bale comment from the prestige about Caleb love was awesome. By the way, thank you, Kevin Deaton. Love the prestige. Aiden tree says future sweet 16 percentile or percentage baseline. There are 79 high major D one teams and mid majors make up about two sweet 16 spots every year. That means there's 14 spots for 79 teams. So the most average major conference team would have a 17% chance to make the sweet 16. Your thoughts. Hey, my brother, I appreciate that. But if you have a backyard or a front yard, 
let's, let's just go out. It's been, it's been kind of nice outside. Let's go take a walk. I was watching your wheels spinning while I was reading that comment. It was one of my favorite visuals I've ever seen on the show. Uh, not a math podcast, <laughs> although we appreciate hey, I, hey, that. Brother, I love you. Love you. But let's take a walk. The stats and research department for Sleepers Enterprises is doing phenomenal today. Thank you, Aiden. Brenda Graves says, would it surprise you if Braden Smith finishes in the top five in assists per game in 23-24? Is that in the country? Yeah, I need I need clarification. I'm going to go ahead and assume she means in the country because I think he's a lock to finish that in the Big Ten. Yeah. I think it's a world like I, I would I would sprinkle Braden Smith to be top five plus money, but also that's so, that's so tough because obviously you know back to Aiden, so many teams, so many players. Like you you'll get a random UTSA roadrunner who averages like eleven a game. So it's just I don't know. I I would say this. I think out of high major conference like power power five conference point guards, I bet he would be a top five um, assist guy. I think he can be. Yeah, I I think there's a good chance there. Uh, I think it's like likely. Uh, likely feels a little weird now that I say it out loud, but I, like I think he's going to be top ten in the country in assists. Uh, I don't know who the elites would be. Like AJ Hogarth's the only guy I feel is for sure going to finish above him. What's his assist rate? <laughs> Too much math. Can we move? On? I don't want to hear about your assist. I want to know your rate. <laughs> can Can we move on, please? Thank you, Brenda. Uh, Bonnie, Bonnie Days says uh, skills don't change. If you can play basketball in little league travel, AAU and high school, a good coach should be able to get you to the next level. It should not be as difficult as you all pretend. It's a crazy comment. It's pretty difficult. I think skills change a lot, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they actually do. I, I, I don't know. That's a wild that's a wild comment. Really putting it on the coach's fault. <laughs> but also, like, I'm I'm confused because if she's saying skills don't change, what is the coach supposed to do to get you to the next? Like, isn't the coach supposed to be changing your skills if he gets you to the next level? Because if it's just uh, if the I mean, skills it, don't it, change, then you just roll the ball out and get to the next level. Yeah, it's a mixture, though. Like, they, it's a mixture of changing skills. Also, sometimes it's like a mindset thing or, like, putting them in the best position to succeed thing, like putting them in the best position to emphasize their skills. But that's that's just – that's a false statement. Like, coaches need to develop skills as well as players developing their own skills to reach the next level. I am uh, actively, as we go through this right now, I am copying and pasting that comment to put in my notes so that I can use that exact comment when no Michigan State players get drafted next year. <laughs> Moving on. Bone Man says, is College Hoops to Go making a return this upcoming season? Car, you want to take that one? Stay tuned. Simple as that. Stephen Pearsall says, another Illini fan who loves the show. Do you guys make the trick to trip to Champaign if Hunter doesn't make the trip there? Does sleepers come to visit if they play UK or Duke instead for charity? Yeah, but I'd also probably want to go if Hunter didn't go either. Yeah, I wouldn't say our interest in this event is Hunter dependent. Um, I think that's... Kansas, Kansas dependent. For, well, it's Illinois versus Kansas dependent for me. The fact that Hunter is there too adds a little bit to it, but it's more so Illinois versus Kansas. 
Yeah, it's a couple of things. I I always want to go to Champagne. I literally sent you property in Champagne and was trying to convince you that we should buy an office space so we could have a headquarters there. Uh, two, the fact that it, this is happening before the season is huge because in the season, we're just all over the place, busy with random job stuff. Um, so it, it's easier to do this when it's an isolated event. And then I would put Hunter like at three, like, it's not the reason I want to go, but it's an, a very important element of why I'm interested in this is like seeing Hunter back in Champagne again when he never wanted to go there again. It's fascinating. Also, I'm cooking, like I'm cooking, I'm cooking up some way that like Hunter doesn't play and we get like a trio broadcast, me, you, Hunter. And we so just Hunter, Hunter should hate us at this point, right? Can we talk about this quickly? Hunter, like Hunter liked us. We knew that he flat out said he liked you and the other guy and we're funny <laughs> on his podcast. Then we made the video trolling ground ball, which Hunter still found funny. Then we talked to him back and forth, had the DMS privately. He put the ultimatum out there, yada, yada. Then <laughs> there's a lot of steps here, but then at the end of the season, uh, when he was actually in the portal, he was referencing the betting odds we talked about on our show. So like we knew when Hunter was committing to Kansas, Hunter liked us. That was the last touch point we had. Then after he committed to Kansas, he kind of went dark, like zero dark 30 mode, not on social media, round balls, not making episodes. Then we have a lot of clips go relatively viral of us saying mean things about Hunter. So one, do we think Hunter has seen those clips? Two, do we think Hunter cares and dislikes us now? Like if, because he knows who we are. We know that. We've talked to him. If we see him at Champagne, if we pull up and we're courtside and Hunter sees us, is he saying what up to us or is he like, fuck those guys? I think he's saying what up. Okay. So I think he's up. you think he doesn't care about the mean things we've said or you think he just is looking past it? I, I just think he doesn't. He doesn't care. I don't know. I feel like in Hunter's position, I'm putting myself in his shoes. Stuff like that wouldn't bother me. That's just people talking about things about what I've done. It's when it gets personal or like they're just personally attacking me for no reason. Then that'd be the thing that would put me off. So like that wouldn't personally bother me. That's just somebody just talking about a decision I made and I made it. So I think my clip it. was a little personal though. <laughs> Yeah, yours is fine. I mean, I'm for sure getting a dab. You might get like the elbow <laughs> pound. Yeah, okay. Either way, uh, I would look forward to that interaction. So still want to see you, Hunter. Uh, moving on, John Smith is back. He says, if you could delete any college basketball team from existence, who would it be? Players, coaches, everything. They just get raptured up in the universe and are dis- disappeared. Who would it be? Marquette. <laughs> I don't understand why you hate Marquette so much. It's not it's not Marquette's fault. It's Shaka. It's Shaka. But then you're robbing the universe of these. Like we don't want that. It's I don't I don't care. I can't get past it, Shaka. Okay. Um I'm torn here. I don't think there's many like programs that I just flat out despise. Like I don't want to lose any of the blue bloods because they're what makes the sport compelling. Even if I dislike them, no, because we can't we can't get rid of the Brad Stevens era. That was such a beautiful era. I might, I might get rid of Gonzaga. 
I might. What? I might get rid of Gonzaga. I'm sorry. Like it was the like Suggs, cute, fun. Like oh, the little guy that could, and now they've just turned into like. I don't know. I'm sick of watching them do what they do in the West Coast Conference. Mark Few is a danger on the roads. And I don't know. He plays. I, I I really hate that like seven seconds left in the game against Pepperdine, his five starters are still in. I hate that so much. Do we? Did, uh, do we are we sure we hate that as somebody who has Gonzaga, Gonzaga spread? Well, I'm usually betting against Gonzaga is the problem. It's a tough question. Uh, I like that question, John, but I don't feel like I feel good about my answer. Your master says Underwood doesn't leave Illinois unless it's a blue blood or NBA. Otherwise, it's a lateral move at best. I see. I don't think I feel like that's no, that's not that's not true because there's definitely schools that aren't blue, like Baylor, not a blue blood school. That's not a lateral move, right? I mean, it depends on how you define lateral, I guess. Like, I think Illinois is a top 25 program in the country. I think there's six or seven blue bloods, depending on your definition. I think Underwood leaving a top 25 program for a top 15 program is not a lateral move. That's, and, I, that's how I feel about it, too. Yeah, and I, I'm not predicting this is going to happen, but, um, you know, we, we have enough people behind the scenes that know what's going on that share information with us to, like, we believe there was some interest in the past, not even talking the future, but we believe there has been some kind of, like, hush-hush, elbow somebody, like, hey, if this job came open, I'd be interested. Like, I, I think that's going on in Champaign. So um, we'll see. I don't think that's just for the best jobs in the country. I think it's for... Top 15 jobs in the country. Kevin Deaton is back. He says, I don't disagree with Tristan about Oscar not having a good enough roster around him last year. He's not wrong. However, he might need reminded that Wheeler was also Oscar's point guard the year he won player of the year. He actually played a lot more games that year than he did this past year when he was injury played. Lots of Kentucky fans were Wheeler haters. Not so much me. He led the SEC in assists in Oscar's player of the year season. Do you like severe Wheeler? No, that's what, honestly what earned Oscar's player there even more that he was able to do what he did with Severe Wheeler as his point guard. Yeah, Severe's just like the classic, like very good at one element of basketball, but such a liability in all the others that it doesn't become worth it. Like I always go back to this, and it's unfair to this player because he ended up being really good for a really good era of this program. But like I hated when Xavier Simpson was my point guard. I despised it. My team made a national championship with him playing point guard, and I still hated that era. <laughs> like, you're just you're so limited with how you have to play when you have a guy that can only do one thing really well. And yeah, it makes other guys better when that skill is passing, but um, it's really problematic. It's not how I would want to build a roster. Dame Eldridge is in the comments. What up, Dame? Says two questions. Who has a better shot at a national championship this upcoming season, Michigan foot or MSU hoop? Uh, let's do that one first, and then we'll go to question two. Uh, I say Michigan foot. Really? Yeah, I mean, there's it's there's way less competition, I think, in college football. It's the same four or five teams. And, you know, you got the great running backs. You got the five-star Heisman quarterback. Great offensive line. Harbaugh at the helm. I see what you're doing. No, I'm, I'm I'm actually being serious though. Is that not the obvious answer? Like, I don't know. I I don't know. 
I really don't. I think it's close. I think the the flip here would be I think the team to beat in football is a way bigger obstacle than any team is in basketball. But the counter to that is what you said. Like, there's probably 20 teams that could win a college basketball national title or at least 10. Like, it's it's just harder, I think, to win a national title in basketball. So you got to win six yeah, games. Because like once, you, once you get to the college football playoff, you got to win two games. Yes. But Georgia as they've been the last two seasons is a much larger obstacle than any individual college basketball team. True. Uh, but you know, Georgia doesn't, uh, yeah, true, true. But, but we don't know what Georgia is this year. We don't know. Yeah. Quarterback wise and stuff like that. So, but still very good. Yeah. I mean, what they win the title 70 to (laughs) seven. Like that's, I I don't know. I just think that there's always a dynasty in football. It's always Georgia, Alabama, or generational LSU. Like or TCU. Or T okay. Let's move on. Uh, I think my answer would be Michigan foot barely. Just because I think Michigan's clearly like the second most talented team in the country on paper in football. But still big obstacle. Two, uh, what's the scout on MSU football this year and where are they finishing? Uh, two, also the number of pick sixes that J.J. McCarthy threw as eight-and-a-half-point favorites in a game versus TCU in a game they gave up 50 points with such a good defense. Um, MSU foot this year, I got it at, you know, I'm going back and forth. Uh, it's not going to be that great of a season. I think it's going to be like a 7-5, 8-4 s- at best. 8-4 is the ceiling, I think, for this team. So take that for what it is. Okay, I don't hate that. I think eight and four would be a phenomenal year for Mel Tucker with this roster. We'll see what happens. Steve Dunn said, uh, by the way, Dame, great to see you in the comments, my friend. Hope you stick around. Steve Dunn says, genuinely pissed at you, Greg, for reading my comment incorrectly yesterday. I clearly typed that KU, which is widely understood in the college basketball world to be Kansas, Visited the Brez in January of 09. You can clearly Google the outcome, but I just think it's crazy that like no video exists of the beatdown Sparty put on them. They actually beat Kansas twice that season, including the famous Kalen Lucas Sweet 16 game. I'm confused because isn't that what we talked about? Like I was talking about Kansas. Did I say Kentucky yesterday? Yeah, you said Kentucky. Oh, I definitely meant Kansas. That's on me. Um, I was Googling on my end Kansas, Michigan State results. So I just word vomited the wrong word out but um also i thought you wanted us to research it steve i'd like sorry for trying to google and find an answer to your question that's on me i guess now back to the big Ten's most interesting and most likely to be a breakout star trey holloman but seriously if trey were to transfer to any big 10 team where would he get minutes is trey basically a starter on a low-end big 10 team but he has bigger goals of actually winning hardware so he's happy to be 10 to 12th on the depth chart i'm sorry i'm jumping in on this i don't think trey's a starter on a Big Ten team, like throw him on Minnesota, I guess, maybe because he's a Minnesota kid. And like, I, I don't know, that roster's horrible. But like Trey Holloman's not starting on Nebraska. I'll tell you that. We just talked about Nebraska yesterday and they got a bunch of transfer guards that are good. Like he's not some guy who's sacrificing to be the 12th guy on Michigan State. He's a 12th guy. Yeah, I mean, I I, I went to the teams. The only team I came up with was Minnesota. And again, he's that's not, he's not he's not started for Penn State, not started for Rutgers, not started for Michigan State, not started for Michigan. Like it's it's just is what it is. 
And again, that's okay to say. This is great for the theme of today's episode. We're going to hold our fans accountable a little bit, but like we're not dissing Trey Holloman to say he's a bench guy. He's he is what he is. Maybe he can be a really good bench guy. Kevin Deaton says, I respect Alabama and what they've done recently. Nate Oates is a good coach. They were the best team in the SEC for the two years they won the league. That's it. The league doesn't run through them, though, not in basketball. Who's picking Alabama to run the SEC this year? I think you guys are prisoners of the moment a little bit. This time last year, I guess you would have said Auburn. They won the league in 2022. Nobody's talking about Alabama right now, though. They'll probably be considered fourth or fifth in the league in the preseason. And yeah, Card, I know we lost to St. Peter's. Trust me, I know. Guess who else beat St. Peter's, though? Oh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure where he's going on that one. Um, uh, if if the over under is fourth for Alabama in the SEC this year, I'll take better than fourth, by the way. Yeah, I'd like to hear the teams that he thinks they're going to be picked ahead of Bama. I guess it's going to be good. Bama's going to be good. I guess Kentucky and Auburn, Texas A&M. They, 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 get, they got Mark Sears back for this year too, right? Uh, yes, they do. Year two, year two luck transfer point guard. Yeah, we like those. Those are good. in a NATO system too. I love that. Those are good. No, it's not disrespect to Kentucky to be like Alabama's really good. They're still going to be really good. I'm really starting good. to see a theme that SEC people really take it to heart, like who the conference runs through. Is that yeah. like the title you want? Maybe. It's not a Big Ten thing. I don't think any, but like Purdue and Michigan State aren't like it runs through us. It's like. Yeah. Can any of us win a title? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Malik Perry says, speaking of poor, what's a poor meal that you still eat today? Mine is hot dog and beans with a cold beer. It's a poor meal that I eat. Uh, I got to say, you don't eat poor meals. Is grilled cheese a poor meal? I don't like the term on this, to be honest. Like, I, I've like we throw it around as a joke about if you're not going to yeah. sign up for the discord, but like, I don't, I don't think we should be assigning like poor to meal meals or meals. Eat what you like to eat. Yeah. I'm very simple with my meals anyway. It's just like chicken rice most of the time, or I enjoy, I enjoy simple meals. Simple is yeah. the word that should be used. Don't overlook simple meals. I still been eating my peanut butter jelly tortillas. That's a, whatever you want to call it meal for sure. And I, I eat those a lot. Is it better than Uncrustables? No, never. You know you can make at-home Uncrustables now? That's doing too much. I'm sorry. I mean, I respect it. That, that's that's the home brew of peanut butter and jellies. Like, it's I don't easy, need though. I don't need your IPA peanut butter and jelly. Just give me an Uncrustable. Senior F, Senior F says, Tristan looks like if Greg and Carter had a baby. You know what? I don't really want to fully accept that or break it down, so I'm going to take it as disrespect and racism. Um, <laughs> that's crazy, though. And final comment of the day, Wayne says, freest money of all time is Illinois football over six and a half wins. Take a second mortgage out, place most of it on the overline, and sprinkle the rest that they win the Big Ten West. You will all be rich. Uh, I'm with them on the over wins part, though. That defense is nasty still, and they really got a good running back. And they're better than people think. Yeah, I love that bet as well. I think Illinois is good. I wrote a little piece on Dimers uh, where I was doing like conference by conference betting previews. And I believe my favorite long shot bet or favorite value bet in the Big Ten was Illinois to win the Big Ten West. So 
Um, you can get really good odds on that, by the way. Like it. Brett Bielema also blocked me on Twitter. Uh, take really? that for what it is. Just a fact. Brett, Brett Bielema has when? blocked me on Twitter. I don't know. I discovered this last year because I was hosting a lot of shows for the Field of 12, the college football arm of Field of 68. And uh, like midway through the season, Brett Bielema like made headlines or something and was like shit talking a coach. And so I tried to go to his Twitter profile and found out I was blocked. Have no idea when it happened, what I did. Uh, I think I think it's because earlier in the season, I had like a moment that they clipped for Field of 12 where I said, if I'm Brett Bielema, I go back to Wisconsin. <laughs> like the moment that job opened up, I'm running through the door to get back to Wisconsin. Oh. Yeah. So I think that's why he blocked me. But very disappointing because he could have been Daddy Brett and we could have had Daddy Brad, Daddy Brett. And instead, we just have one daddy and not two daddies in the Champaign area. You gotta let that go. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna you let that your father daddy day. No, I call him dad. Oh. There's a much different role here between my dad and my daddies. Do you have your your dad saving your phone as dad? Yeah. Uh, you just struck me as someone who has something else, like father. I had <laughs> I had something else, but I changed uh, it. I, I changed it recently. <laughs> what was it? I'm not gonna say. Oh, I, changed, I changed it recently because I realized if I was like in a room and my dad called me and like Jeff Goodman saw it, it couldn't, I couldn't have people. All right, you're going to have to tell me offline. Can we get to the show? Oh man, uh, tough Wednesday today. L- let's get back to the ethos of what we're trying to do here. Uh, we got to hold our own teams accountable. You want to start with your team or my team? Who's starting with your team? Okay, we can start with my team. I have a bone to pick with Michigan fans. I was in the umhoops.com forums. I don't know if they'll care that I'm talking about them or not, but uh, good site, very well-run fan site. We have a lot of normally very intelligent, in-depth Big Ten basketball discussions over there. I've been a longtime member of that community. And uh, the current topic that everybody's hot on is listing the top 25 players in the big 10 because every year um hoops partners with inside the hall the indiana site and they put out these are the top 25 players and uh they told us they were going to start working on that and all the commenters jumped in and were like here's my top 25 blah 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 i put mine out last week it was a tough exercise we could probably release that at some point if we wanted to but I alluded to, I had like Tony Perkins eighth and basically after the top six, it's really gross. And you're picking between like Coleman Hawkins and AJ Hogard and Olivier Kamwa and a bunch of guys. You just don't know if they're good or not. So uh, some people like kind of pushed back on me last week a little bit, had a little discussion, whatever. Fast forward to yesterday and two of the most prominent, I think that's fair to say, most prominent commenters in this community, two people I respect. I've had a lot of discussions with who I view as like intelligent basketball fans, put their top 25s out. Mind you, they are Michigan fans. One of them has Olivia Conway, Olivier Conway as the third best player in the Big Ten. One of them has Olivier Conway as the fifth best player in the Big Ten. And all these comments, like anybody interacting with this, nobody was like, that's too high for Kamwa, except for Dylan, who runs the site. Like actual UM Hoops was like, wow, you guys are high on Kamwa. I think Michigan fans just like think this is an All-American who just waltzed through the door. And I have no idea why, because like Tennessee people 
have not painted him that way. Like if you watch highlights, if you watch written breakdowns of who Olivier Conway is from people who know his game, nobody views him that way. Like Tennessee is like, this is a good player who's really inconsistent. And if he could ever figure out his consistencies, he'd be a good starter. That's all we've gotten. <laughs> like he's playing with Finland and he's he's looking good. Like he's hitting some shots for Finland right now. He's not looking like an NBA star or anything or like a breakout first team all Big Ten guy. So, man, I jumped in and pushed back hard. I was just like, this is absurd, you guys. Like you you really have a list of Kamwa ahead of Tyson Walker and Jameer Young and Boo Booey. That is absurd. And for the most part, no one on the boards agreed with me. Like Michigan fans were more in agreement with the guys who have Kamwa third in the conference than where I do, which I think was like 12th. Like, so I, I need to one, check all these Michigan fans. This is crazy that you have Kamwa that high. But two, I want to throw it to you and give you the opportunity to respond. Where should Olivier Kamwa be rated heading into this season? And how crazy is it to have Kamwa ahead of Tyson Walker? Uh, well, first of all, I love speaking to Bucky's 12. Let's let that be known right now. Um, answer those couple questions. Having him above Tyson Walker and you say, say I'm the Michigan State fan, say what you want. That's just, that's asinine. It truly is. It's just wrong. It's not like a thing that's up for debate. There's not, there's a world I can see it. There's not, uh, if these things play out a certain way, it's just, it, it's a fact that Tyson Walker is a better player in the Big Ten than Olivia and Kamala. Like, that's just, that's not up for debate. I actually really like where you had him at, because that's where I would have him at. I have him somewhere probably between like 12, 15. Um, like, his ceiling being like, I don't know, the eighth best player, I guess, in the Big Ten. Like, I, I truly do think he's a good player and can do some things and has skills. But having him as third is just like, come on. this It's, it's just straight up wrong. It's not looking at your player through an unbiased lens. It's actually looking, I don't even know, it's something way worse than a biased lens, just having them that high. Um, but, you know, it it is okay to be excited about him. I would be too. I think he's one of the better transfers. Like you mentioned a couple of times before, when people talk about the shortcomings of Michigan, they do fail to mention that Nkama was a you know pretty highly touted portal addition and ad for them. So, um yeah, having them above eighth to me is just just wrong. You can't even make an argument for it. Yeah, so the thing, when you go through this exercise of listing players, it makes way more sense to like tier it this year than it does to actually try and list them because whoever you're putting sixth feels insane to put – like you're, you're picking between like Cliff Amorier, Coleman – Whoever you think Indiana's best player is, whoever you think Iowa's best player is, whoever you think Wisconsin's, like AJ Hogarth, like you're just going to put someone there that doesn't feel good at all. So like in that sense, like, okay, if you have calm with sixth, whatever, I still think that's really rosy, but there's just this huge group of guys between like six and 15 that all feel more like the 15th best player than the sixth best player. The issue I have is that the top five should be stone cold locks and there shouldn't be debate. On the top five, Zach Eadie's the best player in the Big Ten. Taryn Shannon's the second best player in the Big Ten. Tyson Walker, Jameer Young, and Boo Booey, in whatever order you want to put them in, are the third through fifth. Those what guys. What are you putting them in? I'd put Tyson third. I'd put Boo fourth. I'd put Jameer fifth. Okay. And those those three guys. Here's why: those three guys have already been the offensive engines 
of good teams. Like, it's it's not debatable. We know what they are. Tyson Walker averaged 14.8 points per game super efficiently on a team that made the Sweet 16, and now they're a top five team in the country. He's going to be good. Boo Booey was absurdly productive. He was the biggest reason Northwestern lost their best player and then made the round of 32 and finished top four in the Big Ten. And now Audige is gone. He's going to do more. It's not debatable what Boo Booey is. Jameer Young was the leading scorer on a Maryland team that, again, was a top finisher in the Big Ten, top half finisher, and finished in the round of 32. He's been the best offensive player on a good team. Those three things are not debatable. Everything else is hope. Like, when you look at Kamwa, I don't understand how anyone could even add up to a world where he would be ahead of Tyson Walker. Like, last year, Cart, I don't... I don't get where this is coming from, man. Last year, Kamwa averaged eight and four in SEC play. He played 23 minutes a game. And everyone's pushback is like, oh, that was just Barnes. Like, Barnes had a bunch of frontcourt guys he had to play. No, if anyone was good enough, Barnes would have just played the dude 32 minutes and he would have been great. He wasn't that. He was a good starter who was super inconsistent and in his great games was great. His horrible games were horrible. So, like... There isn't even a world, like even in the most optimistic view of this, there is no world that Kamwa averages 15 points on 40% from three next year on a top 10 team in the country. That's and, the- and, Sorry, sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. But another point that I think needs to be made too in this is that those top five guys that you named, consistency. That's what it was last year with those guys. All consistent. Olivier Kamwa, not a consistent player currently at this point, is, at this point in his college career. Could be one. But everything we've seen, the sample size we've seen, is that he's not consistent. Yeah. And again, that's the baseline for those three guys I mentioned. Like Tyson Walker's baseline is 15 points super efficiently on a top five team in the country next year. That's what it is. So uh, I just don't get it, man. I think it's setting up Kamwa for disaster, to be honest. Like, um, it, like if, if this is really the standard Michigan fans are going to hold him to, I think they're going to be wildly disappointed. And that's not uh, – people interpret this. Michigan fans seem to interpret this as if I'm hating on Olivier Kamala. I'm not. I think this was a fantastic ad. I said it with Tristan on the show yesterday. I think when you look at what Michigan brought in, if you can forget about what they didn't bring in in Caleb Love, I think Kamala and Burnett's a top 20-ish transfer class alone in the country. I think both those guys are good starters. And – you're just hoping that Kamwa can become what those three guards already are. And we don't know. Like, he he needs to be a first option. The only thing I will say that gives me hope is, like, Jawan Howard consistently, whoever Jawan Howard's first option is, is productive. Like, I feel like whoever he picks to be his first option is going to be a productive, good player. Whether that's Kamwa or Doug McDaniel, I don't know. I think it might be Doug over Olivier because I think Doug's better at that. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. But, like, can we please just slow the roll? Like we don't need to anoint this guy a guaranteed first team, all big 10 player just because he's wearing your favorite team's colors. Like that's absurd to me. It is. And last thing I want to say, and it caught a hot take or whatever, what whatever you want to call it, call it take. Um, my state, the claim that I want to make right now is that if you do a top 25 players at the end of the season, Namari Burnett will be ahead of Olivia Kamala in rankings. Michigan fans are going to hate that. I don't hate that, but I'm also really high on Burnett. Yeah, I I, I was a little bit, I, I was a little bit harsh on Burnett. I think at the start of it, and then 
you kind of said some things to me. I went back, I watched some things. Um, I'm not saying I'm just like completely flipped to like, oh my God, it's an amazing ad, but not being talked about enough what he can do. And I think they're, I actually would feel pretty confident in saying that I think the Mark Burnett at the end of the year, if you're making a player ranking the big 10 could be better than Olivia and Kama. Also defensively, Burnett's really, really good too. In fact, if people want to bring up what uh, Kama is defensively, Burnett's just as good defensively and he could probably be better offensively skill set wise. So, uh, you know, I, I see, I see a world where that, where that can happen. Yeah, I think Burnett's going to end up playing on ball more than people expect him to, and you're right. Like That's why Michigan does have the makings of a really good defensive team, largely because of Burnett and Kama, but um, I just I don't get it. I, this whole, all of those guys, everyone we just named, Kama, Burnett, Doug, whoever you want from Michigan's roster, feel like guys that are fighting to be 20-ish in the Big Ten to me. Like Kama's probably the one you can safely say should be like top 15 range player in the conference, but Man, like top three, I just I was losing my mind yesterday trying to think of how you could even come to that conclusion. Um, and last thing, we said it briefly on Burnett yesterday, I think, but like people are writing this dude off just because he doesn't have like the number production in college. I just want to compare like Ray J. Dennis was like the hottest name in the portal this whole offseason, right? We talked about him a ton. I was lower on him the most, but like all these big name programs wanted him. What's Namari Burnett averaging at Toledo last year? If he played at Toledo cart. I think you have a good shot of being like Matt, uh, Matt player of the year. That's all I just want to say here is like, like Ray J Dennis was great and he has an offensive skill set that in a lot of ways is better than Namari Burnett's from what we've seen. But if you just dropped Alabama's third best guard last year on Toledo's roster and asked him to be the best player, Namari Burnett looks totally different than he looks right now. There's still a really talented player in there, and now he's going to get some opportunities. So um, don't write him off. With that said, calm down on Olivier Conway. It's obnoxious. All right, that was my half of this deal, Cart. Now we have to move to your half of this deal. Apparently a video made its way around on Carson Cooper. And uh, people are pretty excited about that video. Your thoughts? This, this, and this stems from wanting every single player just to break out and be this great Big Ten player. Um, it seems that like the theme over the summer is that, like everyone wants Trey Holloman to be the breakout guy. Everyone wants Carson Cooper to be the breakout guy. It's just like what, there's a world like. Carson Cooper's breakout season next year, and this is not me being a hater, but he averaged one and one last year. And yes, it was in limited minutes, but he averages five and five this year. That's technically a breakout season for him. And it's just, I don't understand why sometimes Michigan State's fan base, Michigan State people want to latch themselves to like the lower level players and hoping that they just make these extreme jumps when you know, there could be maybe be more energy focused on let's hope Xavier Booker ends up being that guy. Because every time I speak about Michigan State reaching their ceiling and where they need to be in a world where I can control what happens, Xavier Booker ends up being the best big out of everyone in our front court rotation. I think that's what would lead Michigan State to the most success um, at that position and also the most team success. So it's just like everyone wants – Cooper to do this. Everyone wants Cooper to be this great guy. No one brings up Kohler. No one even just, everyone just lets Maddie just, Madi just be Madi. Like no one says anything bad about him. They just let him rock. But everyone's just propping up Cooper to be the next center of this team. And it's just like one, 
it's not realistic. And two, it's not fair to Cooper either. Like, why are we just expecting this guy just to come in and be our savior at center when he should not be that guy? That's not fair to him. I, I like Cooper as a rotational big, but if he's our starting center and our major majority of minutes that big, I think that's a bad basketball team. So it's just, I, I guess it kind of goes off to your last time, just being rooted a little bit more in reality. I understand it feels good to get behind a guy and like be that uh, low recruit guy who works real hard and makes a great extent through his career. Uh, the thing that irks me the most about the Carson Cooper comparisons is that people's like, oh, he can have the Matt Costello path. Did y'all not know who Matt Costello was? Matt Costello was a top 50 player in the country. Matt Costello was Mr. Basketball. Matt Costello was a bad motherfucker when he came into Michigan State. It just took him a little while to get together. Like, that's he was he was that, but it just took him a little couple more years to get together. We don't even know if Carson Cooper is that. So I just want people to reel it back a little bit. And, and reel it back, just not in, in the being based in reality, but Reel it back that it's not even fair to Carson Cooper to expect these things out of him. Let's just wait and see. Let's see what he has. But at the same time, if I'm a Michigan State fan, I am hoping that Xavier Booker is everything that they said he can be and he reaches his potential because that will make this team that much more dangerous if he can be that center for our team. Here's just a couple players that uh, Carson Cooper had a lower defensive rebounding rate than in the past couple years. Uh Tum Tum Nairn, Xavier Simpson, Cassius Winston. He had a one percent higher defensive rebounding rate. One percent higher than Tyler Ulis did. This kid has to show us. <laughs> and maybe he will, right? Maybe he will. I'm not gonna write him off and say he can't do it. But the fascinating thing about the way the hype train has taken off on Carson to me um, is that it feels like it's at the expense of the other guys in the front court situation to me. Yes. Um, Which I don't I I don't think is like always the case with who Michigan State fans hype up or fans in general hype up. But this one feels very unique in the sense that it's like we're in on Carson Cooper because we're out on these other guys. And I don't think anyone's necessarily out on Xavier Booker yet. Um, but there there is you you would admit this. Like there's been a lot of change from how Xavier Booker was talked about when Michigan State was recruiting him to after he signed with Michigan State. It almost flipped on the dot from like this guy's everything we need in the front court to like, well, there's a lot of concerns here. Like we gotta worry about the motor. He's he's probably a four, he's two year guy at minimum. Like that was not what was being talked about Xavier Booker when he was being recruited. And I get he fell in the rankings, but like it it flipped and I don't know why it flipped after he signed. Madi, everyone's just out on for the most part. Even I, I think like that doesn't mean they're rooting negatively against him or going to say things publicly negatively. But I think the fan base in general, it doesn't necessarily want to see Madi Sissoko start at center. Jackson, everybody's turned on. And that's the one I don't get is like, if you're in on Cooper's potential, I don't understand why you're out on Jackson's potential. And, um, you know, we've, I've made jokes about it. Like there's this little prominent hive of Michigan state social media fans that think they have all this influence. And in this sense, they kind of do have influence. (laughs) Like that hive seems to have been the group that is in on Carson and out on Kohler. And, 
that's what everyone has adopted now because they see these quote unquote influencers sharing these videos and hyping up empty gym dunks from Carson and not doing the same for Jackson. So um, Jackson is a more prestigious player. I thought we saw more from Jackson last year than we did from Carson. I know there was like a two minute stretch in the Carson NCAA tournament game, like where he, he looked like something, right? We also got that from Jackson. Let's just not forget that. And if I had to put my chips behind one of the two, to become a quality big 10 center one day, I'm still standing behind Jackson Kohler. In fact, I'm doubling down on that. I'm taking my chips. I'm looking at the banker and I'm saying, can I press right now? And I'm not doing that on Carson. Like I'm cashing out on Carson. I'm selling high on Carson right now. Yeah. And then, you know, if you want to do the two minute clip comparison thing, like I can bring up a two minute clip of Jackson Kohler having Trace Jackson Davis in hell on both ends of the floor. And to me that trumps, Carson Cooper's tip dunk against USC and his wall up against Joshua Morgan. Like, it's just, it's, I don't know. It's just crazy. It's the, it's just so much of a narrative, I think being pushed and it's not fair. I don't think it's fair to Jackson. I don't even think it's fair to the person whose agenda is being pushed. I don't think it's fair to Carson Cooper to push that agenda on him. So it's just, uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe chalk it up to it being a very slow time and nothing going on right now, but it's just like, um, the the gushing over Carson Cooper hitting hook shots in a in an empty gym is just not doing it for me. Like that that happens and everyone's blowing it up, but Jackson Kohler has fifty five and wins Money Ball MVP in his hand. Eh. On no Xavier Booker, by the way, on Xavier yeah, Booker. No, relax. No one cares. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like I don't <laughs> know. Um, I I will just say I like the video. <laughs> I like the Carson Cooper video. I mean that genuinely too. Like I, I thought he looked pretty good, <laughs> I, but I'm not making sweeping judgments. That's the thing. It's like, I, I can sit there and look at the video and be like, Oh, that, that was pretty yeah, nice. If I squint really hard, it looked like saltine cracker, uh, Kiel wear. Okay. Um, last thing for me on all this, I think, Opposing fans or just unbiased national partisans would say these fan bases are equally delusional for these two. Like, I think Michigan State fans looking at Michigan fans thinking Com was the top three player in the league would obviously correctly be like, these guys are such idiots. Michigan fans are doing the same thing about the way Michigan State fans are talking about Carson Cooper. And they're both right for the record. (laughs) Like... The, the hype train needs to slow down. One, one worse than the other in my eyes. We can debate that. Um, uh, again, one's an actual tangible college basketball player and one's not. So <laughs> I think they're both equally delusional. That's my stance. And somebody tagged Justin Rose, by the way. Justin Rose out here caping. Hey, where's the podcast? What? Imagine if there was a world where there's a podcast between a Michigan fan and a Michigan State fan who hold their teams accountable, who are objective no matter what. Justin, you're a few years late to the party, my friend, but welcome. Run this episode back from the top and let us know what you think, by the way. Uh, and I, I, we like tweeted him from the sleepers account. And he was like, we said, somebody tell him or who wants to tell him. And he said, why don't you guys tell me? I just told you, my friend. Okay. You followed Greg Waddell on Twitter for the last couple of years. I know you've seen some of these clips. Don't act like you don't know, my friend. I don't know what's going on in Justin Rose headquarters right now, but, um, Man, a contentious Wednesday cart. <laughs> Can we do a check-in? How are you feeling right now? You feeling okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm 
not feeling that good too because my one big thing ain't going to make it any better. Let's go to the Big Ten randomizer. We started this initiative to get through all Big Ten teams and say what they need to do to do whatever a great season would be. Most of these teams, it's make a Sweet 16. Uh, the randomizer gave us Iowa and Nebraska the first two days. The randomizer loves corn and hates good basketball. So let's fire it back up today, Cart, and hope we don't get Minnesota. Who are we going to talk about? Go. It's, it's kind of nice that it lets you stay in there. Like I just keep the tab open and crosses out the teams that have already been picked. We got my Ohio State Buckeyes. Hey, okay. I like this one. I like this one. Uh, okay. Fast forward. It's March 24th. Ohio State is preparing to play one overall seed Duke in the Sweet 16. How did they do it? How did they get here? Before I explain how they get there, I'm placing an Ohio State money line ticket on that game. That's happening. Um, here's how they get there. Everything comes along for Ohio State in this in this fashion. Okay, so when you're looking at Ohio State's grade, and I actually don't even know if I saw the offseason grade for Ohio State for the field of 68 rankings. What was it? I don't know. I don't know that we did them. Did, oh, if it didn't come out yet. So if, for Carter's grading scale, a plus offseason for them. And, th- and this is this is why. They have guys on this team who were freshmen last year who are going to make a sophomore leap and had good freshman seasons in the Big Ten. Bruce Thornton, I think, is going to make a jump. Roddy Gale is going to make a jump. Akpara are all going to make jumps. They got that covered. They retained guys. And for the sake of Greg and his happiness, they lost a guy who was a black hole and, let's say, was not as good for team chemistry as he should be, despite the buckets that he got. Let's say that. Then they go on the transfer portal and they add talent. They get Jamison Battle. Jamison Battle, as I said many times, is a really, really good Big Ten player. And I think he'll have the opportunity to finally play some winning brand of basketball and on a winning basketball team. And I think it'll look good and the product will be good for that. That's good, too. And then the third thing is you have all these great freshmen that you're recruiting. Scotty Middleton is going to be an NBA guy. Tayson Chapman is going to be a really good guy. Devin Royal is going to be really good. They just have everything. I think they they had the recipe for success in my eyes. Like, I don't really think I have to squint or tell you what happens for this team to make a Sweet 16. I think a Sweet 16 should be expected, the, the you know, based on the talent of this team and what they have. But I will say this. I think in order, if they are in a Sweet 16, there has to be a guy who comes out as the guy. And... I think it has to be Bruce Thornton. It has to be Bruce Thornton has to be the guy. Scotty Middleton can be great. Scotty Middleton can have a Malachi random type uh, freshman season and find himself on draft boards next season. But in order for them to make a sweet 16, there has to be the guy. Two minutes left, close game. Who has the ball in his hands? And that guy is Bruce Thornton. And I think he can be that guy. And I think Bruce Thornton has the mentality also to be that guy. So that's kind of where I see how Ohio State can, you know, uh, assure themselves of Sweet 16. Yeah, I was going to say I have that guy. It's Bruce Thornton. Um, I think my my number one answer to how did Ohio State make a Sweet 16 would be Bruce Thornton is their best player without question. And I think Bruce Thornton has a first-team All-Big Ten ceiling. When we do this whole top 25 list, 
you know when you put the five names on paper, like it's likely one of them's going to fall out somehow. And I, I think it's undebatable, like we've said. The top five are the top five. It's guys who did it last year. Bruce Thornton can absolutely jump in to Jameer Young, Boo Booey, Tyson Walker territory. He needs to do it, but he's absolutely capable of doing it. And I think in order for Ohio State to be more than just like, oh, fun, bounce back year, but actually like national contender type team, it's how good is Bruce Thornton? It's not anything else. It's is Bruce Thornton like a top 10 guard in the country? I think that could genuinely happen because at the end of last season, if you just lined up the Big Ten players at the Big Ten tournament and we're picking out who do I want on my side, the way Bruce Thornton was playing, he's one of the first names that I picked from that group. So I think there's a huge leap here. I've said it a thousand times and you're going to roll your eyes and get mad at me for saying it again. But I think the the mental step forward this entire locker room will take with Bryce Sensenbaugh gone is something that I think is huge. Like I, I am excited to see what Bruce Thornton looks like when he is not paired with just one of the laziest players I've ever seen who was doing selfish offensive decisions every time he touched the ball. Um, I I think the surrounding pieces I buy in a huge way as well. Like Jameson Battle, you're 100% right. More people should be talking about that as one of the best ads of the offseason. He was the top five player in the Big Ten two years ago. Like Jameson Battle was really good. He needs to be healthy. And I think Ohio State, like you look at what Chris Holman's done with wings in his career. Like it might not just be the freshman wings that we pencil in for being great this year. Jameson Battle is one of the best yeah, tools like, he's had like, to work with. Like instead of Justice Suing, I'm getting Jameson Battle and Scotty Milt. Jameson Battle is one of the best tools that uh, Holtman's been able to put in a toolkit since he's been here. And I think, uh, like, <laughs> what, you like that one? I like that tool in the toolkit line. That's, uh, that's my book. Tool toolbox. So, but the nice thing here is there's a lot of, like, if we're banking, okay, who are the dudes for Ohio State? Thornton's got to be one. I think we feel good. Middleton is two. Like, Middleton's going to be an NBA player sooner rather than later, one or two years, I would say. Uh, b- battle is going to be battle. Like, at the very least, we know he's a Big Ten starter. Now the question is, okay, is Roddy Gale an upgrade at the two from what he was last year? You would think he takes a step forward. Is Chapman the answer at the two? Like, is Tyson Chapman ready immediately and warranting a starter role? Could happen. Absolutely could happen. And then in the front court, is it Zeg Key or is it Felix Akpara? We might be kind of forgetting about Zeg Key. I just want to say that. We loved him a year ago, and then his injuries uh, really if he, crushed If he's him. healthy, I really like him, but it's just it's, he just can't – that shoulder just can't stay healthy in it. And I mean, obviously, credit to him for trying to play through it, but he's just he's hurting his team, unfortunately, by playing hurt. Yeah, and I, I'm just really high on Akpara. Like I, I've flat out said, the Ohio State needs Akpara to take Zed Key's spot, and I think that might be a little harsh on Zed Key because Zed Key's been a very productive, good Big Ten player. But I think Akpara's ceiling as a shot blocker, as a rim runner, is pretty special in this conference. So. I love on paper what this group is. I've had them top four ish in the big 10. I do think if there's a team that like people are shocked to see like, Oh my God, that's a top 10, 15 team in the country. It would be Ohio state from this conference. But yeah, if we, if we get to March and we're saying, Oh, they really made a sweet 16, which would be the first time Holman's done that at Ohio state. Um, to me, the answer is Bruce Thornton is like fringe all American. Good. I think and, that's and it. My, my, and my starting lineup in that game is, Thornton, Gale, 
Middleton, Battle, Akpara. And then I think like Chapman and Devin Royal off the bench too. Like yeah. Devin Royal is going to play. Bench. Yeah, that's a they're deep, man. They got eight guys. Sean McNeil's gone. That might be good. Oh, they, 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 they added uh, my man from Baylor too, right? Yeah, Dale Bonner. Yeah. Yeah, another name. Don't forget about him. Baylor yeah. guards. Why not? Yeah. yeah. Like um, last thing on Scotty Middleton. Can he be like like day one what he is day 30? I think that's I my think, question. I think he can be. Because you look at some of the best freshmen the last couple of years, like Sensabaugh was pretty polished, but again, I don't think that helped Ohio State much with what he was. Um, Co- like, look at Kobe Bufkin last year. Kobe Bufkin in November was like 20% of what Kobe Bufkin was in March. And if he was what he was in March in November, Michigan probably doesn't miss the tournament. So I think Ohio State kind of needs Scotty Middleton to be ready immediately and not like even Malachi Branham. Branham was great the end of the season. Branham mm-hmm. wasn't that at the beginning. Do you yeah. think Middleton will take some time or do you think he's like rolled the ball out ready to go? I think it can roll the ball out ready to go because also surrounding pieces can take a little bit of pressure off of him. Like the reason Kobe actually became good is because like a pressure makes diamond situation for me. Like Llewellyn goes down, they need somebody to be that guy. He stepped up and was that guy. So um, yeah, I, I think it, there'll be less pressure on him to be great. And he could just be a guy who can relieve a little bit of pressure off of like guys like Bruce Thornton. And I think he'll excel in that role instead of being like a featured guy. But then like when teams are evaluating, they're like, okay, he's good in that situation. He can get better than this. He could be that guy. But also if worse comes to worse, he could be a guy who can play off a really good player. And, you know, he turns into an NBA really good, I don't know, third option or something like that. Yeah. Percent likelihood they make the Sweet 16. You gave Nebraska 20% chance of making the Sweet 16. Yeah, well, I'd like to go back my Nebraska. My Nebraska should go down to like four. Uh, Ohio State to make a Sweet 16? I'm going to say 70%. That's so crazy. They're good. They're, they're good. Not, they're not a top 16 team in the country on paper. They should 70. be. Like, they yeah, should are, be. We, are we even giving like Kentucky a 70% chance to make the Sweet 16? I guess I got to change my scale a little bit. Okay. Give me. Uh, I like, I, Card, I like your scales. Keep the scales the way they are. It's just wild. <laughs> no, because then we start getting like really, really good teams. I'm going to have like. Them is, like it, was, is Illinois is Illinois a 95% chance to make the Sweet 16 if Ohio State 70? No, give me, give me like 52, 52%. Okay. Over a coin flip. All right. Um, <laughs> I got to go, I, man, I thought I was high on them. I'm going to go like 30. I'm going to go 30%. Uh, and I think that's that's high. <laughs> it's really high. I, am I just the harshest grader ever, man? Or like... No, I think I'm just bad. Not a math podcast. <laughs> not a math podcast. I think we should start having math segments specifically to try and get better at this. All right. We like yeah. you, Buckeyes. And the, the episode, me and you figuring out a math problem. <laughs> One big math problem. <laughs> Okay, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> I'm rooting for Ohio State, man. It feels weird to be on the Buckeye bandwagon with you, but here we are. Welcome. One big thing presented by Big B. Deep breath. Big B. Um, 
I have Bigby coffee in my mug this morning. I can't always say that, but when I do say that, I'm a happy man. Cart Bigby, where you can get one big thing. What's your one big thing today? No, so I don't have that coffee. Uh, my one big thing today is going into a uh, a hygiene portion of the world. Uh, it is currently, as we record this Wednesday, August twenty third, uh, about ten thirty a.m. and uh, of the year two thousand twenty three. And there's a lot of people out there that use electronic toothbrushes that have yet to change the head on the toothbrush. And it's already August, okay? Be a better person. Have good hygiene. You should be changing the head on your electric toothbrush at least every month. That's that, I feel like that's at minimum what you should be doing. If you're not doing that, go to Amazon right now, add it to your cart, add some toothbrush heads, and change the head on the toothbrush of your electronic toothbrush so you can stop wondering why your breath is funky. I don't hate that. You acted like that was going to be like real negative vibes. I think that's just holding people accountable. Change change the head. Be the change you want to see in the world. Starting with your toothbrush. <laughs> Start small. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about the Swamp Kings documentary. I haven't watched it yet, but... Have you heard about this? And have you seen all the buzz about it? I heard it's a bunch of Florida propaganda. Yeah. I, I want to call out the untold documentary makers because I'm just going to flat out say, I'm not even going to watch the Swamp Kings documentary now. I'm not going to watch it. And uh, maybe I should. Maybe I shouldn't shit on something I don't see. But quite frankly, all of the buzz and all of the discourse and the Twitter comments and the people I respect opinions of have said this is horrible and it's a waste of time. And that maps with the other untold documentaries that I feel like I've watched, uh, which don't get me wrong. Johnny Manziel, like it was entertaining. It was funny to look back and be like, holy shit, he was crazy. But like it wasn't a good documentary. It, it didn't tell the story the way it could have. And uh, I left that one and the Manti Teo one just feeling like that this was such a missed opportunity. I don't want to have that feeling again. Swamp Kings on paper should have been like the easiest documentary ever to make. How much material do you have from the people that were in that locker room? And apparently they just avoided every single real issue they could have avoided and just gassed up some highlights. And <laughs> that's all it was. I have no interest in seeing that. Uh, so I'm putting you on the hot spot on the hot seat untold. I expect better from you. And uh, hopefully these one-star reviews, Rotten Tomatoes, crush you into getting your shit correct for season three. And hold on, I got to read this. Uh, do you follow Jim Weber on Twitter? Yep. I feel like he summed it up pretty well. No mention of Aaron Hernandez besides Tebow taking the blame for the bar fight. Nothing about the Pouncey Twins. Nothing about Cam Newton's stolen laptop. Nothing about Percy Harvin attacking a wide receiver coach. Nothing about Carlos Dunlap arrested for the 2009 championship game. Nothing about Urban Meyer going to the hospital or her 911 call by his wife. The entire 2010 season, including Urban Meyer versus Jeremy Fowler and Chris Rainey threatening to kill his girlfriend. And the film ends. I'll never forget that day. I walked into the swamp and I thought this is the place where magic could happen. And it did. And it cut the black. Like what? What is the documentary even about? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, what are we talking is, is That's why I wanted to tune in. I wanted to know about this stuff. Yeah, I just don't get it. would be like making a LeBron documentary and just like leaving out the entire Miami Heat decision era. <laughs> like Makes no I, sense. it doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. So untold, I'm mad at you and uh, you've lost a viewer. 
flat out. I was excited for it. I'm not even going to watch it. Sorry. Uh, all right. We'll see you Thursday. Subscribe to the sleepers on YouTube and join the discord, please. Two more days that we'll answer every comment. Then you got to flip to the discord. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. And pray that I shoot an 85 on the golf course in two hours. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks. That's what our podcast. People are the worst brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.